When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Post-All-Star break is the nothing personal word of the day. We're here to talk about the National League. Thank you for listening to all these episodes. While I've been away, we have more to come. We've done some mailbags. We talked about the American League, what happened in the first half. Made some updated playoff predictions. Now we're going to talk about the National League and talk about what went on during the pre-All-Star break period, what I am looking to see in the post-All-Star break period, what interests me, what I think interests you. And I think it's hard to start in the National League without talking about the Mets. They have to be the story of the first half. They're in first place in the National League East. They are a team that has done it for the most part without Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. They have a rotation that has a modicum of depth, an offense that has some underperforming and some overperforming players. The NL East has turned into a division where you could have as many as four teams over 500. You have the best pitching staff in baseball in that division. That's the Marlins. You've got the worst team I've ever seen play with the best player on it. That's the Nationals. I wonder what Juan Soto's thinking right now. By the way, Juan Soto... Rumors of him being signed or not signed, the team being sold. He's now, he was hurt for a while. And meanwhile, the team absolutely blows. They just won a World Series three years ago. So I want to talk about a couple things related to both the National League and baseball that I want you to think about as you're heading into the second half of the season, which is not really a full half, which is why we're calling it the post-All-Star break period. One of the things that happened a long time ago, way back in March of this year, which is only four months ago, there was that lockout. Remember when there was the collective bargaining agreement and the fighting going on with the players and the union and, and, the, and the owners and Rob Manford, they were, gonna, they were canceling games a week at a time and they postponed opening day and he did a press conference and he smiled and then he was practicing his golf swing and got criticized and then all of a sudden there was a deal done and there wasn't a deal done and we were on the air figuring out what was going on and then the season started and we said, look, no one's going to even think about the lockout. How true is that? Forget like years from now, it's been months and no one talks about the lockout. I talk about the lockout because I knew that they were making a mistake because they had to get 162 games in because the owners would not pay the players their full salaries without the full 162. The players would not play without getting paid their full salary. So they had to play 162. So they went right to the deadline of when they could play 162. They extended the season by a week. That'll happen in 
uh, at the end of the season when there's a series played that was scheduled for the beginning of the season. And they had this crazy spring training. Remember when the lockout ended and then the players reported like the next day? And then before you knew it, there were games being played and pitchers were going three innings. And I said, we got to be very careful here. Spring training is a necessary evil of Major League Baseball. It's not even like NFL training camp where you get players used to being in pads or learning the playbook. It's not like NBA preseason where you got to get your win together. Right now, there's no offseason in the NBA. For crying out loud, Meatloaf, they're playing summer league games already. You can get drafted on a Tuesday and you're playing in a professional summer league game on Wednesday. Remember Mike Holmgren's son, Chet Holmgren? Drafted, top three, and now playing. They get no rest. Baseball spring training is the most important training camp because you've got to get pitchers' arms ready to go, and you do that, there's no shortcuts. You have to build up arm strength. Don't give me the line, pitchers do a lot more off-season training now, so they're more ready. They come into camp ready to go. That is not accurate. Throwing in your backyard to your college teammates or facing a bunch of your friends on your kid's little league field is not getting you major league ready. Hitting in a cage, going to your old high school to hit off your pitching coach. You are not ready to go until you have faced major league hitters, until you have faced major league pitching, until you go through the process of building yourself up. Players say they don't want a long spring training because They don't get paid during spring training, and they do get paid if they're hurt during the regular season, so they don't actually care if they get hurt. Owners want the spring training because, A, they get revenue from it in their publicly funded spring training facilities, but, B, they're trying to minimize injuries. And we said, look out, just like we did in the COVID year when they rushed back to play in I don't know when in July, when they started back in July of 2020 and they did spring training part deux, and we said there's going to be injuries. There's going to be soft tissue injuries. There's going to be hammies. Hammies are a bad injury, by the way. I can tell you firsthand. There's going to be back problems. There's going to be shoulder, arm, elbow. Arm fatigue is what they'll call it. Arm fatigue is code for not ready to be pitching. It would take the rest of the show today to go through the number of big-time players who were injured during the pre-All-Star break period. From Mookie Betts to Scherzer to DeGrom to Soto to Machado. Tatis still hasn't played of the Padres. And the list goes on and on. Jazz Chisholm, who was an MVP, early MVP candidate for the Marlins, back. His back hurt, back injury. Folks, this is a major issue, and MLB is not going to talk about it because they want you to be focused only on on the field. They want you to only focus on good things because when your head's in the sand and you're an ostrich, then you don't know what's going on around you, and you think, wow, everything's great, but my eye's a little itchy, but everything else is great. I can't really have see very well. It's pretty dark and granular, but other than that, things are positive. That's how we go through life, isn't it? The overwhelming majority of us. If you ignore something long enough, it's the essence of procrastination. You have it on your desk as something to do. By the time you get to it, you say, wow, I don't have to do that anymore. It took care of itself. The problem solved. Time heals all wounds and solves all issues that you don't want to deal with when they're supposed to be dealt with. 
Of course, if that were true, therapists would have no job, right? Time doesn't heal all issues. But time in baseball training would help avoid injury issues. So that is a major story with what's going to happen as we go into the last part of this season. Which team will stay healthy, get healthy, and then be healthy through October? That is going to matter. There's going to be a lot of talk about Juan Soto. The Washington Nationals, remember when Mark Lerner, the owner of the Nationals, who took over for his dad as the general partner after they won the World Series in 2019, and they're exploring a sale. They hired Allen and Company, a firm that we didn't hire. You don't need to pay millions of dollars to find buyers for a baseball team. It's totally absurd. The Washington Nationals are for sale. The Washington Nationals are going to be sold. There are bidders for the Nationals, not at the price that Lerner wants, but at a price high enough that the family will prevail and the team will be sold. And everyone's saying, what about Juan Soto? Scott Boris's client that's going to break the bank. He's going to make more than Otani. He's 23 years old. He's already played for 10 years. He started when he was 12, 13 years old. He's going to get a 20-year contract for $50 million. He's going to be the first ever billion-dollar player. I mean, no, he's not getting 20 years or 50. But my point remains the same. And I said, everyone breathe. Juan Soto is not going to be traded or signed because the new owner is going to decide. And if Juan Soto does get traded or signed, it's only because the person who's buying the team told Mark Lerner, that's what we want to do with Soto, and we want you to get the heat for trading him, not us, but we're not going to be fooled. And if he gets signed, the new owner's going to want the credit, so that's not going to be announced until the new owner takes over, even though the deal will have been negotiated earlier. New owners want good press, not bad press. They want you to be excited. They want you to understand they're turning it around. Just like the Marlins and like every other team that gets sold, we're going to be better. All of the things that were wrong with your last relationship are going to be fixed in this relationship. Oh my God, I'm in the same exact position. I was a grumpy, miserable, non-commutative, selfish guy in the last relationship. Nope, I'm going to change. Oh my God, I'm the same guy I was before. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Stop talking about Juan Soto. The other thing I want you to stop talking about, if you don't mind, stop talking about all the teams who are going to lose 100 games. That's going to be a thing that media people love to cover. You've got the Tigers, the Reds, the A's, the Cubs, the Nats, the Royals. Everyone stinks. They stink more. They stink harder. They stink longer. It's outrageous to lose 100 games. These guys are tanking. Who from the Reds is going to be traded? They've got all those great arms. Let's talk about it. It's great content before the deadline. Are they going to trade Luis Castillo? Where are they going to trade him? Who's going to get him? Is he going to be a Yankee? Could be a Met. Could he be a Dodger? The Dodgers could use some pitching. I never minded when the Marlins were that subject to the conversation. I'd always rather be a buyer than a seller. But if you're going to be a seller, isn't it better to have good things to sell? But if you have good things to sell, shouldn't you be a better team? It's always a conundrum when you're an executive trying to spin everything. You take every bit of news and you try to put it in the best possible light, thinking that fans will understand what you're saying and then, God forbid, agree with what you're saying, and then you'll be popular and liked. So when you go out, people want your autograph, take your picture and say, wow, you're so good at running your team. It doesn't really work that way. 
So the Cincinnati Reds are going to sell a bunch of players and still lose 100 games. The Nats are going to try to get rid of their... This is when, when you're a free agent, you sign a one-year deal, and you know you're on a bad team, whether you're Zach Greinke on the Royals or Nelson Cruz on the Nationals. You know Josh Bell on the Nationals. You know that you're taking the money and you're likely going to be on two teams. You have a chance to get money from a crappy team and then finish the year on a good team with the money that the good team wasn't going to give you until you could prove that you're still going to be good. That's the benefit of being a big market, rich, good team. You get to let the other bad team sign a bunch of players. You get to figure out who's playing well that particular year, cherry pick them, and get them at the deadline. It's brilliant. What a system baseball has. There's always going to be teams which lose. I never understood it. We would sit in meetings and talk about this. How do we get the focus off of tanking teams, off rebuilding teams? How do we get the focus off losing teams? How do we have a system where with 30 teams, everyone wins 80 games? Is that better? Then there's nobody loses 100, no one wins 100. Is there a way to make it so that everyone's a 500 team? What do you think of that sport? Are you in? Is that what you want? Do you want your chance to win 100, even if you have to lose 100? Are you upset in Houston that you had to go through those three years? Are you upset in Chicago that you had to go through the losing to get to the winning and now you're losing again? Are you upset when you're the Red Sox when you win a World Series and then finish in last place and then win a World Series? Or the Giants winning the World Series every other year? What is it you want? Do you want the chance to win a World Series every year? NGTH. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. Oh, I'm sorry, New York. I'm sorry. The Yankees since 1996 have had a chance to win the World Series every year. They've never finished below 500. It's one of the great stories in baseball that's never talked about. The fact that the Yankees have been that good for almost 20, over 25 years, it's it's incredible, actually. The Dodgers are on an incredible run right now, but they're way far away from 25 years. But that's one team. That is an outlier. One show like a month ago, we talked about standard deviation and the bell curve and things that are off to the side that you really have to ignore when you're doing analysis because there's such a one-off case that you can't use it as an example of what future behavior will be or what a result will be. You can't look at the Yankees' success while Yankee fans say it's a failure. We haven't been to the World Series since 09. We haven't won a World Series since 09. It's an outrage. It's the worst stretch in Yankee history. So wrong, so wrong. So we'd sit around saying, we're not going to create a league where everyone finishes 500. We don't want to do it. We don't think that is the league that our fans or sponsors want. We want greatness. Guess what greatness is? It's a reflection of crappiness. It's the frame of reference. How can you be happy if you've never been sad? How can you laugh if you've never cried? How can you feel joy if you've never felt pain? Everybody has to have a frame of reference. You can't have a great team without a bad team. We would talk to media members. I remember doing this often when the Marlins weren't good, like in 2013, and we had won the World Series 10 years earlier, and we had been we thought we were going to be good the year before, and we knew we were going to get good young players and be good again. Talking, trying to explain the cycles like Simba style, the circle of life, the cycle of life. 
Baseball owners decided long ago that they are perfectly fine with 100 lost teams. So all of the talk of the union during the collective bargaining negotiations where they want to avoid tanking, where they want to penalize by not giving you the number one pick, owners don't care about that. You can't have the number one pick more than three years in a row. We're going to do a lottery of five teams, and you can't win the lottery or be in the lottery six years in a row or two out of the first four years. Whatever the rules are, the owners said, good, fine, fine. We're going to win, it. We're going to win this agreement economically, but we're going to give you that. It's not going to change. Teams are going to lose a hundo. Competitive balance does not mean everybody wins 80 games. Another thing that happened in the National League that caught my attention was the old midseason firing of my main man, Super Joe Girardi. He's gone from the Phillies. The Phillies with John Middleton spending stupid money have been underperforming ever since they signed Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, when will he be back and what will Philly do with him hurt? They're still now above 500. At least they could be when you hear this show. They may not be, but I think they will be. Trying to figure out if they can be in a playoff spot. They're right on the cusp of the expanded wild card as I sit here today, which is not today when you're listening to this, but it's my today, which makes it today. I wish I could talk. People do this in the media all the time. And you get taught this in media school, like in training, something that's called evergreen. That is something that you can record on a Tuesday, release whenever you want, and people will still have the possibility that it was released the day that it was recorded the day it was released. Evergreen content, Coca says, that's what you should talk about. Say that the All-Star Game was last Tuesday. Okay, but it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe at the All-Star Game, the craziest thing of all time happened, and you're listening to this saying, how the hell is Samson not talking about that crazy thing that happened at the home run derby of the All-Star Game? Did you see Albert Pujols hit that pinch hit grand slam in Los Angeles for the National League to win? That was amazing. Can you believe the fact? I can't even name a player in the home run derby right now. But of course, when you're listening to this, you'll know everyone who was in the home run derby because the home run derby already happened. It can't be fully evergreen, Matt. It just can't. The midseason managerial firing, which was just the Angels and the Phillies, not working for the Angels, semi-working for the Phillies. But of course, when owners are looked at by their GMs and start discussing making a managerial change midseason, you never talk to your owner about the teams that don't do well after a firing. You only go to your owner with the examples of success. You go to the 03 Marlins. Look what happened when they fired Jeff Torborg. They won the World Series. You go to examples that fit your narrative. It is the ultimate confirmation bias where you go to things that are not related at all to anything other than they confirm, they basically buttress your point of view of your prediction of your situation or someone who agrees with what you agree with you say to them look what that person thinks well why don't you look to someone else why don't you look to a team that had a failure with the midseason firing nah why would i do that i've got to tell my owner that i'm on it that it's gonna work i wonder what tweet steve Cohen is sending out right now he's doing something He's always tweeting something. I like it. Good game here in City Field. Having fun this weekend as we sweep Atlanta. I'm just making that up. Those are some quality tweets. Steve Cohn is in year two of his four to five year World Series plan. Steve Cohn's paying a lot of money. 
He's not paying the Steve Cohen tax quite yet, but he will at the deadline. The deadline's coming up in a couple weeks. The Mets need to add a bat and two arms, in my opinion, at the deadline. It is going to be fascinating to watch what happens with DeGrom, who is due to start shortly after the All-Star break. Shortly from now, I would expect him to be pitching in his first game of the season if his rehab continues to go well. You cannot put it together with napkins and paper clips. That's not the expression. What's the expression, Matt, when you put things together like patchwork? There's, a, there's, a, there's two things. I bet this is an old expression that you may not have. But we're putting it together with gauze tape and duct tape and scotch tape and glue. That's not it either. Anyway, I believe what the Mets have done with their rotation, it has been that sort of patchwork. Scherzer last month had that, or just a couple weeks ago, had that great return from rehab when he pitched uh, a scoreless, he didn't give up a run against the Reds in his first game. Spoiler alert, it's the next day that I'm saying this. That's why I remember it. (laughs) Evergreen, David, come on. Evergreen. All right. Remember that time a couple weeks ago when Max Scherzer pitched so well against the Cincinnati Reds, but the Mets lost one to nothing, and Mets fans said, God, woe be me, we have no offense. And the real Mets fans said, wow, look at how great Scherzer looks. And the executives with the Mets said, hey, we need to make some changes because the Braves are going to catch us. But take a look and watch to see what the Braves do, what the Mets do, what the Dodgers do as we head toward the deadline. The National League has had no great surprises, no disappointments. People say that the Giants are a disappointment. No, we knew they were going to have a season like this. How about the Rockies? No, we knew signing Chris Bryant was putting lipstick on a pig. Didn't matter. Didn't matter at all. We knew the Brewers and the Cardinals were going to be competing for the Central Division. We have that, right? Because the Pirates and the Cubs absolutely stink. And we can't even talk about the Reds. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. We weren't sure what would happen with the Dodgers and the Padres. We thought the Padres were in position to compete with the Dodgers, but then the Padres lost Tatis. They acquired all these arms, but guess what? They're barely competitive with the Dodgers. Fernando Tatis hasn't even played a game yet. He could be a difference maker. 
There's talk of him switching positions. That's another story I want to watch. People don't like when they're shortstops, when you take them off of their position. We thought that Hanley would agree to become a third baseman when we signed Jose Reyes. He told us he'd agree to do it, and then he was miserable at third base and brought down the whole team. Tatis wants to be a shortstop. He's saying, yeah, I'll play the outfield. That could be fun. He does not want to play the outfield. But when you've got a bad shoulder the way Tatis does, you do not want to be playing shortstop. You have a much better chance of hurting your shoulder on a dive at shortstop than you do in the outfield. The Braves have Tatis signed to that, the Braves, the Padres, to that huge long-term contract. It would not surprise me in the least if they make Tatis switch positions just to try to keep him on the field. He's of no use. Didn't he get a bunch of all-star votes, like starting votes to be the starting shortstop? Coca, do you remember the results of that that came out only like last week, but like a month ago? He hasn't even played a game. Acuna got the most votes in the National League, and he missed like a huge chunk of the season. I don't really understand. It's why fan votes just, it's silly. All right, before the season started, we did a whole bunch of predictions. I think I have to update them. Right now, it's silly to say that the Mets, who are have the second best record in theory as of now in the National League, that they are not going to win the NL East. But my pick was the Braves before the season started in the NL East. And the Braves had what was the best June of any team in baseball, I believe. Maybe the Yankees were just as good, but certainly the Braves were the best in the National League, at least as far as I'm concerned. They've got depth. We don't even talk about the fact that Soroka doesn't even pitch there anymore because of his two years of injuries. We don't even talk about the fact that Kenley Jansen's on the DL with an irregular heartbeat. They have a deep, deep team. They are within shouting distance of the Mets after the Mets were running away with this division. You cannot run away with the division and have a team in your division have a 20-5 and five month or a 21-6 and six month, whatever the June was for the Braves. The second half of the season, the Braves are going to keep going. I have the Braves winning still the National League East, which was my preseason prediction. I'm going to keep that in place. I had the Brewers winning the NL Central. They're leading the NL Central. I have them still winning the NL Central. I had the Dodgers winning the NL West preseason. They're leading the NL West. I still have them winning the NL West. I do not recall who my three wildcard teams when the season started. But I believe when you look at it, you're going to have the Mets, Padres, and Cards. The Mets, Padres, and Cards are fighting it out right now with the the Marlins, the Giants, even the Diamondbacks are a little bit on the fringe, but not really. The Marlins are my one wild card team to the wild card. I've always believed that pitching and defense wins. We always tried to build teams on pitching and defense. When the Marlins took over the new ownership group in 2017, they immediately started collecting young arms. Those young arms have matured. And they've got two of the top 10 pitchers, including the number one pitcher in baseball on their rotation. They've got a deep rotation. Their bullpen is questionable at best, though there are a bunch of members who could be traded at the deadline. But believe me, as we head toward the deadline, the Marlins are not selling. They've got a new owner who's now in his fifth year. He's not a new owner. They fired Derek Jeter. They fired Gary Denbo. 
They are drawing nobody. They have got to make the playoffs. Don Mattingly, in order to keep his job, they have to make the playoffs in this expanded wild card. And with the rotation like they have, they tried to improve the offense, but signing Garcia and Soler the way they did, they overpaid for mediocre players. Not smart, but it's cool they spent money. It's the Artie Moreno school. Let's spend as much money as we can and not win. Or the John Middleton school. We're going to spend a ton of money and you're going to love me, but we're not going to win. The Stephen Ross Miami Dolphins school. Hey, we are spending money. Ignore the fact that we haven't won a playoff game in God knows how long. But the Marlins cannot afford from a PR standpoint, and that's what I would tell them if I were still president. We are close enough to a wild card, and with this rotation where we are healthy, knock wood, we cannot sell. Why don't we give a bone to the world of baseball and to the fans of South Florida? Let's add at the deadline. Let's try to get that third wild card. And I think that's what the Marlins are going to do, but I still think the Marlins are going to come up short. The Cardinals, Padres, and Mets are better teams, and I think they will secure the wild cards. Now, what do I think happens in the National League playoffs? Do you remember my prediction before the season started? I had the Braves repeating as the first team since the 98, 99, 2000 Yankees. I had the Braves repeating. I see no reason as I look at the first pre-All-Star break chunk of the season, as I look at the standings, as I examine the rosters, I see no reason to believe why I should change that. The Dodgers could obviously win the World Series. They could make the World Series. The Mets could obviously make the World Series. The Brewers, who have not been performing the way I'd like from an offensive standpoint, their pitching has been good. Their bullpen is lights out with Hayter and Williams. They have enough to make it to a World Series. But so do the Braves. And eventually someone's got to repeat. I've got the Braves winning the National League pennant. And that means the Braves, and if you listen to the show last week when we did the American League, that means the Braves are playing the Astros. That will be an amazing World Series. That's a seven-game World Series. Will Jim Crane get his redemption? Nope. I'm sticking with it. You might as well. What's the downside when, for all these people who do predictions and prognostications? People tend, it's not like a wait to see where I revisit on nothing personal. When you make preseason predictions or midseason predictions for awards or for team performance and you don't get it right, you just tend to not discuss it. But when you get it right, you tweet it in all caps. You, you retweet the old tweet. Braves and seven over Astros. If that actually happens, of course I'm going to say, oh, I'm the greatest predictor of all time. But that's what I'm going with. Braves over Astros in seven games. So what are the other things that we should be focused on as we go into the second half, as the NFL begins, as this country grapples with everything that's gone on off the field and on the field? as Major League Baseball tries to figure out what to do with this labor piece and how to continue to grow the game's revenues, which are increasing, how to get younger people interested. You're going to see so many things come out of baseball about international games, about expansion. Everything they do is to get you to engage. But what's happened and is the number one story in sports, not baseball, not football, 
not basketball, soccer, every sport. What would you say is the number one story of the last six months, if you had a guess? To me, it's easy. It's gambling. The way the leagues have embraced gambling is staggering to me. MLB.com is the website started my first year in baseball. Started in 2000 is when that venture began under the able leadership of Bob Bowman. Created unbelievable value for the teams and their asset values. Unbelievable cash flow year after year. MLB.com makes so much money from running other people's websites, it would knock your socks off. Remember that show we did with John Skipper on Levitard where we talked about the deal where MLB.com sold to John Skipper and to Disney and how it was a complete ripoff by John Skipper, but he wouldn't admit it. Because that business behind the scenes, sort of the guts of MLB.com, huge business. But what the owners focus on, they watch the highlight shows on MLB, on MLB Network and they complain when they don't, the team doesn't get enough, get enough minutes, get enough highlights. But one thing that was always clear there will be no gambling talk. Guess what? There are articles on MLB.com. There are shows on MLB Network. There are crawls on the network where they give you the lines and talk about betting. In the NFL, the only thing you ever got during games was Al Michaels saying, this game is now over. Huh? People watching the game would say, there's still two minutes left. I don't get it. What happened? How can the game be over in the third quarter? He was talking about the over-under, but you had to keep quiet. Now the quiet part is out loud. Now they'll talk about backdoor covers. They'll talk about bad beats. ESPN, for crying out loud, um, Scott Van Pelt has a whole thing called bad beats. He's, a, he's got a great show on ESPN where he'll talk about gamblers and the money that they lose because something weird happens at the end of a game that causes one team to cover who wasn't covering and one team to not cover who was covering, whatever the case may be. Why did these sports, especially baseball, with their Pete Rose situation? Ooh, detour. Side note, Coca. Pete Rose is applying for reinstatement again. Let me tell you how that goes. I was talking to Bud Selig about this and Rob Manford. That's not a flex. That's a lot of us talked about this. Bud Selig was not ever going to allow Pete Rose back into baseball because Pete Rose was banned for life by Bart Giamatti, who was a mentor of Bud Selig and a very close friend. Bart Giamatti died of a heart attack, the actor Paul Giamatti's dad, right after giving Pete Rose that lifetime ban. Bud Selig was not going to disrespect Bart Giamatti by reinstating Pete Rose. Pete Rose has done no favors for himself with the way he is and the things he says. We know he bet on baseball. Query, did he bet against his team? We have no proof. Did he bet for his team? Should that be a problem? Is that a problem? Yeah, he can't do it. But if you're going to bet on your team, don't you want to bet for your team to win? But anyway... Pete Rose, the way he can get into the Hall of Fame is he has to get off the lifetime ban list. I said to Rob, you're going to have a Pete Rose problem, and here's how I would solve it. I would ban him from being in uniform, but remove the lifetime ban to allow him to have Hall of Fame eligibility especially with all the crap in the Hall of Fame, with all the bad actors, you've got to be at least amenable to Pete Rose 
being a Hall of Famer because on the field, he most certainly is a Hall of Famer. Not even a question. A first ballot Hall of Famer. And I always thought the way out of it because the Hall of Fame right now, which is really run by Major League Baseball, but shh, don't tell anyone. I'm sorry, Mrs. Clark, but it really is run by Major League Baseball. Let the writers decide or the Veterans Committee now decide, although there was an argument that once he's off the ban that you could start him in the regular vote because it's five years after retirement and he was banned and he could not do it. He was never able to be considered. Let him be considered for five years. Let the writers either put him in or not put him in. And then it's on them, not on you. I said, Rob, why do you want this on you? There's no reason for it. We don't want him in uniform. We don't want him associated. We don't want him in ballparks. That was a thing. He can't go to a major league ballpark. Like he's going to sully a major league ballpark because he bet on the game and people are going to be reminded of all the bad things he did. Meanwhile, we are now taking money from every gambling site. We are promoting gambling. We love gambling. We're getting money from gambling because the teams are worth more because of gambling. You have to embrace gambling. Who wouldn't embrace gambling? Yet Pete Rose is on the outside looking in. So Pete Rose applied for reinstatement again, because you're allowed even under a lifetime ban to apply, what you do is you submit a written document, you then go talk to the commissioner. And it's sort of like Morgan Freeman looking for parole and Shawshank Redemption. You walk in and say, I know you're not giving me parole. So I'm not even going to say a word. And then one time you walk in and he says, I'm not saying a word. And they say, but Red, we're giving you your parole. And he said, huh? That can't be. That's what's going to happen with Pete. There has to be a time where he becomes eligible for the Hall of Fame, even if you don't want him working for a team. All right, I got off the subject. Let's talk about some individual awards here in the National League. If you are the St. Louis Cardinals, you have spent your time this year focused on Yadi Molina, Albert Pujols, and Adam Wainwright. One last show of these three Hall of Famers all together, competing for a playoff spot, trying to win again. And you are ignoring the fact that you've got the best player in the National League on your team. The player they traded for from the Diamondbacks then then signed to an extension. Paul Goldschmidt is having the best season of anyone not named Aaron Judge. And I could argue it's a season better than Judge. I could argue it's better than Otani, although Otani does pitch also. But still, Take a look at Paul Goldschmidt, plays in a city that we ranked every year. We would sit around owners meetings and talk about fan bases, and we'd sit around clubhouses and talk about where players like to play. Not where they like to party, but where they like to play. The St. Louis Cardinals were always voted number one. The most loyal, the best fan base, always. But outside of St. Louis, is anyone paying attention? Paul Goldschmidt is the National League MVP of the first pre-All-Star break, and he will continue and win the MVP. It used to be Mookie Betts was in the conversation, Manny Machado was in the conversation, but guess what? They got hurt. That means they're not in the conversation. If Goldschmidt stays healthy, he's the first half MVP, and he will win it for the season. Watch him play. Unreal. By the way, top defender who, under the metrics which is another thing that GMs and presidents don't sit around looking at. Paul Goldschmidt is a gold glove defender. Oh, but the numbers say he's a negative defensive replacement, DRC, DNC, DTC, DCR, whatever it is. It's a stat that our analytics department would look at. 
We'll take Paul Goldschmidt any day of the week and twice on Sunday. The Miami Marlins have never had a Cy Young winner, which is amazing, come to think of it. With all the great pitching that they've had over the years, never a Cy Young award winner. When we were doing the, uh, is that true, Coca? Now I'm questioning myself. I am 99.99 sure. We did a suite on the club level of the Marlins Park. And we would decorate the suites with themes that we came up with when we were building the ballpark. And one of them was like the no-hitter suite. So we put pictures up of all the Marlins who had no hitters. We did like a World Series suite and showed the 97 and the 03 World Series. I don't believe we had a Cy Young suite because I think there were no Cy Young Award winners. Make sure you watch Sandy Alcantara. He should start the All-Star game, which by the way, he may have. So he may have had a great start he may have been the all-star game MVP, but normally that goes to someone who hits a home run in the late innings to win a game. But at the end of the day, Sandy Alcantara is the Cy Young Award winner in the National League. The Marlins will get their first Cy Young Award winner. It's not going to be Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers, but he's a candidate. It's not going to be Corbin Burns of the Brewers. He's a candidate. It doesn't have to come from a good team. Of course, the Dodgers and Brewers are better teams than the Marlins. But if you look at who the best pitcher in baseball, it's not even a question. It's Sandy. Remember when he had that stretch and maybe it's still going on? Evergreen, Samson, Evergreen. Remember that stretch where he pitched seven plus innings, 11 straight starts? It's unbelievable. That's how it used to be. Is it possible that Sandy Alcantara is going to win a Cy Young and Nolan Ryan never did? That can't be good for baseball, can it? These awards are silly. I mean, they're necessary. You get bonuses. You get paid a lot of free agent money. Sandy signed to a long-term deal in Miami. He's going to be there through 2027. Will he be this good every year? Is he still getting better? Is that possible? The Marlins better not waste it. Come on, Miami. You've got this. You're going to have a Cy Young Award winner. All right. As we head toward the rest of the season, I hope you're watching. I hope you're excited. Because the National League, while the divisions may be all but decided other than in the East, you have a real opportunity for a memorable October. And every sunset gets us one day closer. I will be back, hopefully, with everything on time, and I'm still in one piece. I'm going to be doing a show the night of the trade deadline, having just landed from East Africa three hours earlier. I'm going to try to rush back get in front of the camera because the trade deadline is 6 p.m. on August 2nd and we will have we will break it down talk to you about things that are going on because with expanded playoffs all these teams think they're in it it's going to be really hard for anyone to sell but those hundred lost teams and the level of delusion that's going to go on is going to be great for the fan bases it really will so get excited be safe we're going to have another show before I'm back for sure. It's just business. I'm David Sampson. This is nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.